Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the 1871 podcast with Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach, and not Dylan again. So Dylan's preparing for a game, so he's not with us. But we have got Johnny, the ever-reliable Johnny Hunt. And uh, we've got a fantastic guest for you. Our special guest is the former Royal striker, Simon Church. So, hello, Simon. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, you're, you're very welcome. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to, to have you on. And, Simon, it, I'm going to start. It's probably fair to say that you earned your time as a Reading player the, the hard way. Um, you know, by, by that, what I mean is that you came through the youth ranks. You started off at Wickham, didn't you? And then you came to, to Reading, I think you were about 14, weren't you? Is that right? Were you 14 when you first came to Reading? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so you came through the youth ranks, you sort of played in, in the reserve side for a while and then um, you, you had quite a few loan spells away from Reading, didn't you, before finding your way into the first team. So <clears throat> we, we want to sort of start really by asking you about your introduction to Reading. So when you made that move... Um, from, from Wickham, because you're originally from the Wickham area, aren't you? I think it's Amersham, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so how, how did it, you know, how did it come about that you went from from Wickham to, to Reading as a 14-year-old? Um, yeah, as, as I said, I was at Wickham from the age of nine. Um, you know, I, was, I used to go to the games, a uh, bit of a Wickham fan growing up, Um and then obviously Reading came in, started watching. I had a bit of interest from from different clubs at the time at Wickham because I, I was scoring quite a, quite a few goals at the younger years and and doing quite well playing up a couple of years. And I can remember Nicky Hammond, um, who was I think he was the academy director at the time, came and watched me a couple of times. And um, yeah, I got called one day to say that you know Reading want to take me. Um, what I didn't know at the time, I think there was a bit of a deal going on with me, Scotty Davis, and I think it was Nathan Tyson at the time um, in the first team. So I was part of that, but I didn't know anything about it. Typical football. Um, so people getting paid, apart from me. And then, um, like, yeah, just literally 
one week I'm playing against Colchester United away and you know a couple of weeks later I'm playing against Arsenal at Highbury and for me as a 14 year old coming into Reading looking around the stadium and they obviously had high expectations at the time I was you know just absolutely buzzing to play for Reading and play against teams like Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea whereas before you know like I said I was playing against Colchester and and that and um, yeah, just got the opportunity to come into a really good setup. The academy was great. They had a, a history of bringing through young players. And, you know, at the time, I think uh, certainly at 14, 15, the club was, was starting to kind of move in the right direction um, in terms of competing and, and trying to be a good club. So, yeah, got, got into that and worked my way through the, through the youth system. And then, um, yeah, when I signed my pro contract, we had a lot of, good strikers in, in front of me and, um, you know, it was, re- it was really important at the time, which I'm grateful for, because we had such a good team, such good strikers that I was in and amongst. Um, I was able to go on loan and get League One experience at, at 18, which I think nowadays, if you if you look at certainly the academy um, and this, uh, the under-23s, the under-23s is, is a complete waste of time, in my opinion. And I know, uh, I know you have to have that and you ha- they have to play games, but it's not competitive enough. I mean, if we go back into the, the days where we were coming through with the reserve games, I can remember playing against Chelsea at, um, at the stadium and we were playing against Drogba and Ashley Cole. And, you know, there's a couple of thousand people coming to watch and it's a proper reserve game. You get a bit of a taste of what it's like to play in the first team. But, yeah, unfortunately, these under-23 games are... Uh, slightly different and if you're not playing first team football by the age of 19, 20 you're going to really struggle to kind of make a name for yourself and, and get a chance and have a career Yeah, you mentioned you know just one game and and obviously an amazing player Drogba but in, in terms of the, the young players that you going in as a 14 year old um, you know who, who else was there anyone that stood out at, at Reading at that time, and you know some of the you mentioned some of the teams you played against. Was there any players that have sort of gone on that that you remember from from that time to become really big names? Uh, from from fourteen, um, certainly when I came into Reading, it was James James Henry. He he had a really good. Um, you know, really good feedback. Everyone was really looking at him to be the next, um, the next light to come through Reading. But you know, I, I, I was with Alex Pierce, and then as we went from fourteen to to fifteen and sixteen, then Hal, Jem, Gilfie, um, you know, Alex McCarthy. There was such a good group of us that that was starting to come through, and there was good, there were some good players that we were playing with. As I said, Scott Davis was a great talent at the time, and um, there was other players that came through which were really, really, really good. And then I guess playing against people, we had um, well, yeah, pretty much everyone that's still playing um, at the time. I can remember Theo Walcott was just you know leaps and bounds above, above everyone. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably about it. And we're, we're all quite fortunate enough to kind of get first team football at a young age. When I say 17, 17 18, we're all in and amongst the, the first team outgoing on loan playing in League One or League Two or getting some experience. And that, that was vital for us. 
Yeah, and we've we've talked about that, and we'll 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 come to that in in terms of reserve team football, and you know, going out on loan and playing against men, uh, and getting that type of experience. You know, and some of the players that have done really well are players that have got that, you know, that that strength of character, if you like, from having those sorts of experiences. So I would like to kind of talk to you about that. But um, before I do ask you about that. When you when you sort of came to to Reading as a, a fourteen year old, um, you know, and you you'd been there been there a while, um, had you kind of got your mind made up that this is it? I'm going to be a professional footballer, or, or was there still were you still thinking to yourself, I don't really know what what's going to happen? What what was your mindset, and what were people kind of saying to you at that point? Yeah, it's a strange one. Um... I always believed from from the age of nine, whether I'd play for Wickham Wanderers or whoever, I'd be a professional footballer. That's all I ever wanted to do. Sacrificed it. Um, I knew I knew I was better than most at my at my age group without sounding too arrogant. Um, but I was so dedicated, and that's all I ever wanted to do. So I sacrificed everything. I didn't see any friends. I'd always be in bed. I'd always study football. Like it became a life and. Yeah, I think I, I just year on year, I always used to score goals. It probably ran out by the age of 20. But um, yeah, I, I kept scoring goals and kept doing well. And it was something that I always wanted to achieve. It was just a dream of mine to be a professional footballer. And as you said, when I came to Reading, the step up from Wickham um, was massive. Like I said, going to watch the games um, at the first team. You know, there's uh, probably at the time you're looking at about eighteen, twenty thousand every week. Um, who you're playing against, the competitiveness of it. You know, we were always training quite close to the first team, so you always feel like you're in touching distance. And um, yeah, there was just a big, a big gap between Wickham and, and Reading at the time. And as I said, the infrastructure and how they were looking to push the academy players, and you could see that as a route. And the good thing about being in the academy at Reddit was not only the lessons I learned as a player, but the lessons I learned off, off the field. As I said, it's such a great club to kind of grow up with, family club. They look after you um, and just kept your feet on the ground as well. It was all a huge learning process. So I've, I've seen loads of players, you know, concerned, am I going to make it? Am I, am I not going to make it? I never had that mindset. It was just literally just play my football, I do believe in myself, but I'm not going to think about it because I can't affect the outcome. And I've kind of always had that to a degree, even when, even when I guess I was playing first team football, um, you know, just take it this week um, and see what happens. Yeah. And, and we will come on to actually you playing for the first team. Don't, don't worry. But I just want to ask you about you going out and you, you had quite a few loan spells during your time at Reading and including Wickham of, of course and Crew and Leighton Orient, Huddersfield as, as well. Um, was that was that in any way frustrating that you kept going out on loan or did you sort of fully embrace it as something that you, you're going to take as a positive experience? You know, like you said before, playing against men, playing in the first team. Was that was that your mindset, or was there an element of frustration as well? Um, no, I, 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 as I said, I was quite I was quite gra- grounded. I didn't take anything for granted. Um, 
I never believed that I should be playing or, you know, I had some sort of arrogance towards at the time when I, when I made my, I knew I did well in the academy. We had a group that did really well in the academy and we knew we'd probably get a chance some, some way, but we also had to prove ourselves. And when I came into the first team called structure, um, signing my pro contract, you know, I had Kevin Doyle, Dave Kitson, Longy, Leroy Lee to in front, in front of me, it was just impossible for me to kind of break through at the time. And I, I understood that. And for me, I, I always looked up to, to Kevin Doyle because I felt like my game was sim, sort of similar to his. And, you know, being in around that and watching him in the games and seeing, you know, obviously they get the promotion, they go to the Premier League. I travelled a couple of times and got a taste for it. And I knew that I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to play first-team football. And going out alone, I had so many different experiences. It opened my mind up because I was fortunate enough to go through Reddings Academy. You know, you're playing against good players, all the teams. And then I kind of had the reality check of going on loan to Crew and going on loan to Wickham Wanderers where I got sent off straight away. I got injured. And I went on loan to Yeovil and Yeovil were fighting for their lives in League One. It was kind of an old school manager at the time and he wanted to use experience, all this kind of stuff like that, to learn with coping. How do I cope with not being in the team and not automatically playing? And You know, so many different things. And then throughout that period when I was going on loan, um, I was playing for the Wales Under-21s, got called up to the Wales Under-21s. And I think for me with the combination of not knowing what my Reading career is going to be like, having the 21s and performing really well for the 21s kind of gave me the confidence to say, you know, I do deserve to have a chance somewhere. And yeah, I think me going on loan at Leighton Orient, um, I think I was 19 or 20, or I can't remember what, what I was, but I did really well at Leighton Orient. I was doing really well for Wales at the time. And that's when I got recalled to, to play in the playoffs with, with Steve Cockle. Uh, and I'm going to let Johnny come in now. So, Johnny, you, you get to start the good bit about talking about the first team. Yeah, well, just, just before that, Simon, I was just going to say about you when you are in the academy, Eamon Dolan, what was it like working with him and the others there? What, why was the academy so good at that time, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to have some really good coaches when I came to, to Reading. Um, Naz Bashir, Martin Cole. Um, I had Naz at, at Wickham and he was part, he used to train me at Wickham. So it's great that I already knew him. He already knew me and he believed in me when I was younger as well. And when Eamon came in, he just set up a real structure around the academy of, you know, this is what it takes to be a professional but he took, he took such an interest in you as a, as a person and as a human. And I think, you know, from a mentoring point of view, it's always important for players to have that kind of mentor. Um, and I think he was a huge mentor for a lot of us that, that came through. And yeah, yeah um, just having that, that person that would give you a kick up the arse when you needed it. <laughs> also, at, at the same time, to to kind of lead you on this path of this is what it's going to take and it's up to you. And I think that's why the group that we had was so focused and so dedicated. And, you know, if you weren't dedicated, there's plenty of players with enough talent, but if you didn't have the dedication and really, really love what you do and want to succeed, 
you're just you're just going to fall out. We saw so many players do that, and um, yeah, he was a massive influence on on pretty much all the academy players that that kind of come through and play for the first team. So when when you made your debut for us, what was that like? And can you still remember it? Uh, I made the debut away in Cardiff. Um, I just <laughs> I went online to Wickham. I got sent off and then I came back to train with Red and I broke my hand. So I was out for ages and I was coming towards the end of my contract. So I was, I was getting a bit nervous. Um, and then I got called up. Yeah. Came on, done, done well against Cardiff. And then I think I went, um, went alone again to Leighton Orient, but oh, I can't even remember. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, I'll never forget the, the, the playoff, my, my first proper, debut um got recalled from from Leighton Orient and I was surprised the manager called me in from Leighton Orient says look you've got back you know you've got the playoff I watched the playoff the first the first leg um against Burnley and yeah he called me in said you're going back I was like right I might I might have a sniff of him on the bench here and then uh I'll never I'll never ever forget a couple of hours before the game um well, when I, I came back to training on Thursday, I think the game was on Saturday. It was two days before the game. And Steve Coppel come to me and just said, look, I just, wanted, I just want to know if, you know, if I need you to play, are you ready? I said, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm more than ready. And, um, yeah, a couple of hours before the game, he named, named me in the team, starting, and I was playing right wing. And I've got to admit, I hate playing right wing. But I would never, <laughs> I would never ever... <laughs> object against it and I'll never forget Wally Downs pulled me in so I was so nervous so nervous because this is like what it's kind of built up to you know the loans the whales everything and now I'm playing in probably the biggest game for years semi uh, semi-final playoffs and Wally Downs has pulled me into this room and just said look I don't know how the fuck you start on this but don't fuck it up and then <laughs> oh, like Fucking hell, brilliant. So, um, yeah, that it was just an amazing experience to be part of that. You know, at the Medeski or Select Club, whatever, um, whatever it's called now. Um, but just to be part of that as, as someone who's great, like he came to the club at 14, went all the way through the academy, and now I'm playing in probably the club's biggest game for my debut was, was a great experience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As well, and then like you had, well, we've had Wally, Steve, and Brian all on the podcast, and like all we hear is good things about them. How, what was it like being under those guys as, as a first team player? Yeah, I mean, Steve Popple and Wally, uh, you know, they we had so much respect for the for the first team, first team staff, because growing up and watching them and what they achieved, being so close to the kind of one hundred and six team gave us even more kind of 
we wanted to be part of this. We wanted to be part of the group. We felt like we all believed that we could be part of, you know, this this team. And then doing really well in the Premier League. And a few of us kind of broke into to the team. I know Piercy did, Jen, um, James Henry played a couple of games as well. And, you know, we, we all saw a path into this team. Um, but yeah, under Steve Koppel, it, it, it's amazing. I, like, he, he gave me my chance. You know, we didn't really get too much feedback because it was kind of an old school dressing room. It's like, don't look anyone in the eye and don't give the ball away. Because you you will get battered. Um, no but, pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But I think that's, that's, that's respect. And I think, to be honest, to be totally honest, that's that's out of the game now. Don't yeah. have that anymore. You've got. I don't know what it is. Um, I know times are changing, and there's a lot of things that can't happen these days that that went back on the, like back then. But there's so much more respect for the for the first team players and coming through as a young lad. You know, I can remember. I'd always be making the tees, but and there'll be times in training where we'd give the ball away, we'd get absolutely battered. But then after we'd get an arm around our shoulder and saying this because we believe that you you can be good enough to play with us. And it, you know, we just had some real good characters. I used to come in with Michael Dubry. He used to take me into training sometimes, and you know, I'd sit there and think, you know, I'd watch you for Chelsea. And, yeah in the Premier League and just him driving me in and just him giving me so many stories and knowledge and just made me adjust really well. But yeah, going back to, to playing with um, Steve Koppel again, you know, gave me my opportunity. I didn't really get too much time to, to play under him, but certainly with, Bro- uh, with Brendan coming in, um, I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. Um, he was an amazing coach, like literally a really, one of the best coaches I've ever kind of played with or played for. And just his man management skills were, were brilliant. And he gave me the opportunity to kind of, you know, after that season of the playoffs to put me straight in. I can remember he pulled me in in pre-season. And he said, look, I, I love what you do. I love what you're trying to do. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity this year. Obviously, uh, Doyle left, Kitts left. Leroy left and it kind of gave me the opportunity to, to cut, try and cement a first in place and unfortunately we, it just didn't work it just his style just didn't work at the time with the players that we had and we had such a young team but Brian comes in and we we all knew Brian from the reserves and him you know his personality a really good personality so everyone got on with Brian and when he came in there was such you know, just like a, we had a really good group of players and the group of players, we were able to manage ourselves. And, you know, we all had a lot of respect for Brian and um, I think that's why we did so well. Unfortunately, towards the end, there was, um, being totally honest with, with Reading, me and Brian did, didn't agree with some things. There was a lot of politics that were going on at the time at Reading, and it was it was just a bit bit bittersweet how I left. Um, and it's such a shame being at the club for so long that the way it ended wasn't how I planned it. But what I learned very quickly is fo- football's football, and you know, <laughs> a ruthless industry, and you know, you yeah. just got to get on with it and. It is what it is. Sometimes you can't affect, you know, what what happens. And, and Simon, you you obviously had some 
some great highlights and great memories from my time at Reading. And, you know, less than a year after you made your first team debut, uh, you were lining up against Liverpool in the FA Cup and scored against Liverpool. And, you know, was that kind of a really big moment for you when, when that happened, where you, you thought, do you know what, if I can score against Liverpool then, is that like a real confidence booster for you? Yeah, I think ever since ever since I went online to Leighton Orient, um, I was scoring goals there. I was doing I was scoring goals for the under twenty ones. We played against England in the twenty ones. I was the first ever Welsh player at under twenty one level to score against England. Like, and I was just on the traje- trajectory. Um, come back, play in the playoffs so far. Start started for Reading that season. Was doing okay. Um, obviously the Liverpool game and then I started playing for Wales first team as well so at the time I was getting linked with to Liverpool and things like this and it was just like absolutely crazy but um, as I said I still had the same mentality that you know don't get too don't get carried away and I, I, I was never like that I was never like that because maybe it's confidence thing maybe it was you know this could be taken away from me maybe it's like I've seen the the horror stories of people thinking they've cracked it and then they're at the game yeah. the next the next day. So um I mean scoring against it, Liverpool, what a finish by the way, wasn't it? <laughs> finish. But yeah, that that was that was great. Um what what people probably don't realise is I had loads of stuff going on from a personal point of view um at the time and I think what happened was that season, I had a fairly good season, finished it. And then it was like the following season, I probably had one of my worst seasons. And I think that was just because everything was going so well and I was just up here. And like any anyone's career, it can just dip slightly. And I did feel it. I did feel like I've, I've dipped a little bit. There's a lot of pressure you know, obviously the fans start getting on you a little bit and that's just normal, but it's not just about it, it's, it's everything. You know, we weren't, where were we? We were, we started off badly, I think the second the second season I started and we weren't doing great. I think I scored about two goals up to Christmas and I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, so yeah, there was, there was so many ups and downs with, with that. Um, but yeah, there's uh, that's certainly the first two years of my Reading career were, were, were really enjoyable. And, and I think um, I think I'm right in saying the 2011-2012 season, which is you know we're going back ten years now. Uh, <laughs> time flies, doesn't it? And you had a little run, didn't you? I think you scored something like was it four goals in four games? I mean. Was there something that clicked, or was it just a, a bit of bit of luck? You know, you one went in, and then you, you went on a, a little bit of a, a run, and then again, did that help you with your confidence? Yeah, it's difficult. It, there was there was times when I want I wanted to play, and for whatever reason, I didn't play. And as a striker, we had some good strikers at the time, so I never expected to play, but I could. Some, sometimes it just clicks. Sometimes it just clicks. So, for example, 
the back of this, the second half after Christmas, when the year we won the league and we went up, it just clicked. It just all clicked. And I was a part of that and I was starting one game. I can remember, yeah, in, in those, those games, I got dropped for the West Ham game, but then I came on and scored two. And it was a bit like, oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was just, yeah, it's difficult. When you're a striker, all you want to do is, is play and all you want to do is score goals. And I think in my, when I was younger, because I got exposed to it, I wasn't, my, my sole focus wasn't scoring goals. I'd run around like a headless chicken and someone else would score the goal, normally Alfie. Yeah. And um, that kind of, the older I got, the more I realised, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere there. <laughs> Yeah. So I need to be a bit more clever, a bit more selfish. And yeah, sometimes sometimes things didn't go your way. Sometimes it did. Like yeah, like you said, four four and four games or whatever, and then you'd have a barren spell of five, six, seven games, and then you're not playing consistently and you've got ten minutes. I can always remember when I was a sub, I used to warm up for the whole second half. I just used to stay out there, keep looking back at Brian, <laughs> Brian just me on. Because there's a few times I think I come on and scored like I had 10 minutes and I thought, right, I've got 10 minutes to try and do something. And um, yeah, I always had that buzz, whether I was on the bench or starting, always just wanted to do something. And Simon, I'm going to hand over to to Johnny after this, but in terms of um, favourite memory, favourite goal, I mean, obviously you scored that that goal against Leeds, the, the lob, and, you know, uh, you mentioned one of your other goals that you, you enjoyed, but w- which is like the best for you and what, what, and also, you know, apart from the goals, what was kind of the best memory from your time at Reading? I think the best memory was, was obviously winning the league. Um, credible, credible experience. We had such, a, like I said, we had such a good group and that's not just players, staff. We all got on so well, it just clicked really well. And um, we had such a good time. We had such a good time, but we governed it ourselves. And like I said, we had such good friendships and, and, and relationships with everyone at the club. The club just felt like perfect at the time. You know, we had a good relationship with the fans. It was, it was filled every single game. There was a real buzz around the town. Um, so that was probably my best memory. My best goal um, is probably... Yeah, probably the just probably the Liverpool one, just because of the occasion and what it was. And I love scrappy goals. I love scrappy goals. I think I scored like three or four outside the box in my whole career. So I love just try. I used to do that. I used to try and run across when someone take a shot. Fans would go mad at me because I've actually blocked the shot. I try and run across just so I can it can hit me and go in. Um, so yeah, that was probably my my favourite goal. Go on then, Johnny. I'll let you, I'll let you come in, and then I want to ask Simon at, at the end about the, the current Reading side. But any, anything yeah. you want to ask Simon? Yeah, yeah. Look, just um, on the the mental health side of things, Simon. One, how is it, how much does it impact on you when you get the injuries and you're not playing? And then secondly, when you have to retire, how hard is that decision to make? Yeah, I mean. When you're not playing, people people don't see this. When when you're not playing, all you 
you train your whole week to play on a Saturday. When you're not when you're not playing, people think, oh, it's okay, you're getting paid, whatever. That's not the case. It doesn't matter how much. Yeah. I, my, my unhappiest season was when I was in the Premier League with Reading because I got pushed to one side for political reasons. And that's 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 just what it was. Wow. And that was my, I was earning the most money I've ever earned and I was the most unhappy because I was yeah. training with youth team. And I was still playing, one week I'd play for Wales, next week I'm back training with the youth team. And I think, and that happened to me at Charlton and MK Don, so it's happened to me three times. So what people don't realise is it doesn't matter how much money you're on, you want to play football with footballers at the end of the day. You've, you've worked your whole life, you've sacrificed, you've dedicated to be where you are and you just want to play football, you just want to try and make a difference. It's a short career, you want to make the most of it. So, yeah, there's times where I'd, I'd stay at the training ground till five, come back and just think, what am I doing this for? Like, I'm doing this for nothing. My, my career, I don't, what am I going to do? It's all the anxiety of where I'm going to go. You know, one minute I'm playing for Wales, I'm you know, getting linked with Liverpool, the next thing I can't even play a 23s game and your head goes and all this kind of stuff, you're young. Um, So, yeah, people don't see how how difficult it is. I actually, I I saw a psychologist for for a long time, which helped massively. And as I said, I was dealing with some personal stuff that that affected my football, it did affect me. and yeah, it's it's difficult. It is difficult because everyone's got their own stories. People don't realise what's going on at home, and that can affect your football as well. So, I think from that kind of side, yeah, the the mental health side, uh, there definitely needs to be more awareness of you know players and what they what they're going through because you've got so much pressure, you get so much stick, you get so much yeah. stuff. But it's also you know you could be the highest of the high one week, lowest of the low the next and it's such a roller coaster but um when you retire like I, I had no choice I got told I had to retire and I knew from probably about the age of 22 that I'm going to struggle with my hip um never missed a day of training tried to stay on top of it as much as I could but it was something that the surgeons just said that if you want to walk in your 30s you're gonna to have to stop so um he said, regardless of what you would have done, surgery, I had surgery, there's nothing you could do. It's just inevitable that, that your hip was going to turn out like this. So some things you just can't control. Yeah. You know, like my dad passed away of cancer. My mum's had a brain tumour. Like there's some things you just Sorry. can't control. Um, but yeah, it's not until you come out and that, that but coming out the first, Six, six to six months to a year of not playing football was, I, I found it really tough. I found it really tough. Um, but yeah, once, once you get through that and you try and have another focus, then, then that obviously helps. So the big, the big question now, Simon, to finish off with, what do you make of what's going on at the moment? We, we ask, not everyone, but we ask plenty of people about this. So what's, what's your take on it? You know, whatever you want to talk about, really manager situation, players out of contract situation, the situation with it not have been a very good season, whatever you want to say about it, really. Well, it's an, let's be honest, it's an absolute shambles, isn't it, really? <laughs> what do you really think, though? Yeah, don't hold back. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I, could see, I could see it turning. I could see it turning when, um, when I left, when... Um, 
the Russian guy came in and you can yeah. see things starting to, to turn. Um, but now looking at it and speaking to some of the players and, and, and stuff, no one knows what's going on. No one, there's, a serious, there's a serious issue with recruitment. There's a serious issue with trust. There's a serious issue with transparency between the club and the fans, the board. Who is the board? Who's making all these decisions? I mean, to be fair to the owner, he spent a lot of money and you can't deny that. He spent a lot of money. There's a new training ground. He spent a lot of money on, on players. But some of, the, some of the decisions and some of the money that's been thrown about and, and let's be honest, wasted is, is incredible. Is incredible, and I think it all comes down to the to the structure of the board, and it starts at the top. And you know, you can, as a player, you know, you've got to look after yourself, and that's just how it is. And there's a lot of players that want. I wanted to stay at Reading. I wanted to play for Reading, but at the end of the day, Reading they they didn't treat me as well as I, I should have, so I had to leave. And it's the same, that, and that's just football sometimes. But if you're going to be a successful club, it's not rocket science. You need a structure from the top to the bottom, and that needs to run all the way through. You've got staff, you've got players that don't know what's going on, no one to talk to, no questions, no questions answered. The fans are now starting to get annoyed because everyone's thinking, what is going on? Who's going to tell us what's going on? What's the plan? You know, looking from the outside, next year looks like it's going to be an absolute struggle. Yeah, well, yeah. Simon, I, I think we're about to run out of time, but I think it'd be great if you want to to come back on and we can talk about this in more detail and mm. another time if, if you want to. But yeah, um, no problem. For, for now, that, that's all we've got time for. But we do have another episode tomorrow evening when we'll be joined by comedian and Reading fan Sam Michael. So that'd be interesting. That's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. And all that leaves me to say is thank you to, to you for listening and, and thank you to Simon for joining us. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.